We give you honor, we give you adoration. We thank you for bringing us again for a time of fellowship and sharing your word. We ask, oh Lord, that tonight you will speak to us, you will minister to each one of us at the very point of our needs in Jesus' name. And your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Welcome everyone to the third part of our study of the book of Ephesians. In the first part, we had, um, uh, we had a study of the chronology of Ephesians, the people of Ephesians, the location of the church in Ephesus and we were able to identify that if we want to if we want to go to Ephesus today we don't have to like go there in that sense of the word that Christ can minister to each one of us um, as his church and as a body um, right where we are so we don't have to like take long trips in that sense of the word. God is here, he's with us, he's with his church. And then last week we looked at the second part of the book of Ephesians, um, still in chapter one, and we learned a lot. Um, one of which was, uh, we learned about the Holy Spirit and how as believers, he has been given to us as a guarantee of God's promise to us and how we can use that promise in everything that we do in our everyday lives. Um, so today we are proceeding and we are going to take uh, some verses in the second uh, chapter of the book of Ephesians. Um, so I'm going to read uh, verses one to three. That's where we're starting from. But before I read, I want us to just uh, sort of lay a foundation um, of today's teaching. And it is that if I'm going to give it a title, it will be the title Identity. So I looked through uh, the verses where to read and I said, if I'm going to give this a title, it's going to be Identity. Your identity in Christ, your identity in God. And I sort of realized that the place where we're studying is divided into our before and our after. So yes, identity, but for you to know where you are headed, you have to first look at where you're coming from and then look at where you currently are and then say, okay, where are we going from there? So we're looking at, if I may call it, your before before where you were initially intended to be, then your 
before where you were, where you found yourself, and then your after, where you are meant to be, where you're supposed to be. So I'm reading from uh, the NLT version, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And this was talking about our before, where we used to be. And it says we, we were once dead. It says you were once dead because of your sin and your disobedience. And even though Apostle Paul used the word you, when he was addressing the Ephesians church, in verse 3, he says, he says, all of us used to live that way. So he was saying, look, this is general. This is where we all used to be. And we were once dead. So I said, let's pause that first uh, uh, sentence. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And I started to say, what, is, what does death signify in the Bible? What does death look like? Obviously, this place was not talking about physical death. It was talking about spiritual death, as many of us would know. And it sort of felt like, okay, maybe he was talking to them in the sense of, oh, you used to be unbelievers, so you were dead. But now you are saved, so you are alive. And it will be easy to just go with that particular um, definition and move on. Like, okay, okay, this doesn't have to, anything to do with me or you because I mean we're saved we're Christians so we're not the ones he's talking about uh, maybe our past but not now and uh, I now thought that uh, wait a bit what if there were Christians who even though they are saved but they still act like unbelievers they still act like dead people and I found my answer in Ephesians, same book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. And it says, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So this verse was saying, awake, O sleeper. So that means they are sleeping Christians. And it says, rise from the dead. So it means that someone is sleeping but they're saying rise from the dead. So when a Christian, when a believer is sleeping in the spirit, then the person is more or less dead. Otherwise, they won't say rise up from the dead. So we're not going to skim over that part that says once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. We are going to look at it because there are people who are seemingly asleep, but is a, is like a state of being dead. And so we're going to break it down and say, what does dead mean? It says you were dead because of disobedience and many sins. And there were versions that talked about being dead because of uh, uh, transgressions and sins. 
And we have been taught that transgression is when you know that something is wrong and God does not want it, but you go ahead and do it anyway. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like something that maybe occasionally you and I do? then we have to watch out for it because it is something that leads to death. It also talks about sins. And we have been taught that sin is a falling short of the glory of God, is a falling short of God's expectations. So when God expects A, B, C, but one is barely able to measure up to it, then that is sin. And we are told that that as well can lead to a state of spiritual death. And then he says that just like the rest of the world, you used to live in sin, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. This one was a bit shocking because what he's saying is that those times when it seems like, oh, it's just one or two transgressions or just one or two sins that you indulge in occasionally, he's saying that at that moment, when you start to dilly-dally and to dabble in things that God does not um, accept and that is against what God expects of you, then at that point, the person is being subject to the devil. The person is obeying the devil. So you see, in this uh, race that we're running, there's no middle ground. You can't say, um, I'm a child of God, I love God, but from time to time, uh, you know, I just, it's not like I go to the devil, but, you know, I just stay away from God for a bit. No. The moment a person is saying they are staying away from God for a bit, then they are actually going to the other side because there, there's no fence. There's no in-between. And then we, so this is why it's important to say, where am I from time to time? Where am I? Where am I? And this is not necessarily um, an academic question that should put you under pressure every minute of every day. And you will now be wondering, I hope this action that I just took, I hope it's in line. I hope this particular thing I just said, I hope it agrees with what God's, God wants. We will see as we go further that actually the lifestyle of, of, of Christianity, the lifestyle that God expects of you, he prepared you for it. So the moment you are willing, God has been willing since the beginning of time. So from the moment that you are willing, then he comes to you. He gives it to you. It becomes a flow. He says, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living waters. So it just becomes your nature. So we are switching from the nature of sin into the nature of Christ. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We will come to that. So I want to talk uh, briefly about the characteristics of a dead person, someone that is spiritually dead. Um, and I want us to lay emphasis on this, again, because um, you are essentially a spirit being. The moment you are God's child, you are not meant to be ruled by the physical, by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those were not, no longer what should dictate what you do with your life and with your time. And the more you come into an understanding of your spirituality and how there's a whole spirit world that you are 
a king in, then the less you are able to answer to the, the demands of the nature of the flesh, the less you are able to obey um, the carnal law that rules human minds um, in that sense of the word. So what are the features, what are the characteristics of a dead person? The first example that came to mind was Adam and Eve. And you know where God said to them, do not eat of the, the fruits of, uh, I think it's Genesis 2, 7. He says, don't eat that particular fruit or you will die. That's what he said to them. And as at that time, they were the very first human beings who were created. So they had never experienced death. They didn't know what it looked like. They didn't have an understanding of what it meant. But they tried God and they ate and they died. But <laughs> the death was not a physical death. So what were the things that happened when they disobeyed God? They were evicted from paradise. They were evicted from the garden of Eden. So can we then assume that when believers, when they, 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 they sleep in a way that makes them die spiritually, can we assume that they will be experiencing um, what seems like an eviction from their paradise? Can we assume that they will be going through hardship? They will lose fellowship with God. Because the Bible says that when they were in the Garden of Eden, God would come down to fellowship with them from time to time. And he would gist with them. And he made provision for everything they needed in life. He gave them everything. He gave them to each other as companions. He gave them uh, animals to, to, to lord it over. He gave them plants to eat. It just literally provided for all their needs. There were streams running through the Garden of Heathen. There was a villa. There were different streams. And they were called, you know, that, that some of them were the land of gold and all of that. So they had everything they needed. They had abundance. So when a believer is spiritually awake, then they will have everything that God has for them. But if they're spiritually dead, they will find themselves no longer having access to the things that God actually kept and preserved for them. And it is not even necessarily because God sort of snatches it away and say, oh, you're a bad child. It is because, I mean, God and sin cannot cohabit. God and transgressions cannot continuously cohabit. He wishes for repentance and he wishes for one to stay awake. It's like someone, uh, maybe a person dies and they have to be taken to the morgue. They cannot blame the people who took them to the morgue that why would you take me to a morgue when I have a fine bed and a mansion? If the person is dead, then they cannot live in that house anymore. So eviction from paradise, um, lack, starvation, hunger, different kind of experiences, broken fellowship, broken communion with God, broken communion with the people they are supposed to do life with. Because remember, when Adam and Eve, when they were cursed, one of the things that happened was that even Eve was caused that she will have to now uh, be, uh, Adam will have to lord it over her and she will continue to try to please him all the days of her life, you know? <laughs> and 
God now made a promise in there of Christ Jesus. And when we get to verse, uh, from like verse 5, 6, 7, um, 8, we will see how God actually talked about Christ redeeming us and bringing us back to life. So right there from Eden, God had already said that the, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent and that is how redemption was to come so secondly if we're looking at the example of of lack of uh, fellowship and spiritual death we'll look at the um, prodigal son and for the prodigal son we were told uh, in verse Luke 15 verse 32 the father said we have we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So again, we see that it is not necessarily physical death that is the most gruesome of all death. This guy was still alive physically, but he, as far as the father was concerned, he was dead because he had lost fellowship, he had lost communion with the father, and he went on a journey that the father didn't send him. Even the, the pig's food started to look delicious to him, and yet nobody was willing to give him that. And the Bible says that he, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So when a person is no longer in fellowship with the father, they start to starve. And this is not about physical starvation in itself. It is that God has put a longing and a desire in man and that it is God himself that can feel it. And creation will keep looking for the answer in different things, but until they turn to God, until they come for satiation to be filled, that's when everything will actually become right in anybody's world. So that is why we must safeguard that communion, that fellowship with God. That is why you must be a living, vibrant, alive spirit unto God. That is why you cannot afford to play with your spirituality. That is why, you know, um, I like to use the example of, of, uh, of a person, uh, just imagine that a person has, this is their spirit and this is their body. Some people are like fully grown and fully matured in the physical, but in their spirit man, they have not been feeding the spirit man with what it needs to grow. And the Bible says, I wish above all things that you will prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper both in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. And you must know that it's when you prosper in your spirit, it affects your soul and it affects your body. So, uh, for example, sometimes, let's say someone is stressed, they're having maybe financial issues or, you know, any of the issues that would typically make a person stressed and start worrying and thinking and all of that. Before you know it, if care is not taken, the person starts to experience in the physical uh, symptoms that reflect what is going on in their minds. So sometimes someone is taking paracetamol again and again, every day for weeks because they're having a migraine. 
But that migraine was not caused by anything in the physical. It is caused by the unrest that is going on in their spirit man. And that is why we must pay attention. You must prioritize your spirit man. Because if your spirit man is healthy, your soul is going to get the memo. And your body will definitely get the memo and be in good health. There are... Uh, there are ways that how we are aligned and how we feed our spirit man affects how we think, how your soul operates. So if you are feeding your spirit with the word of God, you are communing with the Holy Spirit, then you will have a spirit man that is alive unto God. And when that is the case, then your soul which houses your mind, which houses your thought patterns, your consciousness, how you think, how you reason, and the things that come out of your mouth, it, it tilts towards your spirit that you have been feeding. But when a person keeps feeding their physical body, like the physical eyes, you're spending more hours surfing the web, uh, Instagram is what determines how you, you view life. Instagram is what determines what, how you live life. Uh, the home videos that you are watching is what shapes how you perceive people. So maybe God is bringing people into your life who are supposed to help you get to that higher ground. But you are remembering that uh, African magic movie that you watched two days ago and how that person was surrounded with so many friends. But you know how people are not good or how people, if you see how they dealt with that guy, then you're pushing away people that God is bringing to you. But what does the word of God say about friendships, about living in community of faith, about fellowshipping with your community of faith? The person will leave that aside because they are gratifying the desires of the flesh. So I've moved from, uh, let's say this person is dead or this person is alive or this person is a believer or not a non-believer. We are now talking about gratifying the desires of the flesh as against gratifying the desires of God. And it is there in that verse three where it says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So he's saying that Luke is the sinful nature in man. But I mean, we know, we have been taught again and again that the moment you say, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life, I give you authority over my life, come and be my Lord, then we are no longer subject to the sinful nature, but we become Christ-natured. We take on the nature of Christ and he washes away our sins and we are brand new. So you have this brand new spirit man, but you have this... Uh, mind and thinking patterns that sinful nature that had been there all along and that sometimes some people are not making an effort to stop feeding in terms of sinful nature, feeding that nature with the things of the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and the pride of life. So that is what makes for that disparity where um, a person is supposed to be growing in the spirit but that growth is not showing 
because they are not feeding the spirit. Because even though you are a new man in Christ, you know, you become a new creature. All things have passed away, behold, all things become new. But you are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's something that needs to keep going on in your mind, you know, powered by your spirit, powered by the spirit of God, which is powering your spirit and which translates into your mind, being renewed, which translates into your body and everything about you. So we have to say this was my before. And actually maybe some of this might not even have been my before. Maybe some of this might actually be my current, but what is my after? What is my current supposed to be? What is God's expectation of me? What does God expect of me? And so we'll read um, from verse 4. It says, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. <laughs> so he's saying, look, God loves you so much that even that time when we were still dead, he already, he already chose us and gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. He said, God's mercy is so much like he didn't even wait until we became better people because there is nothing righteous in human beings. He is the righteousness. He is the one that becomes our righteousness. So we can't even say, oh, God, wait. Let me get a hold of myself. Let me master how not to, to, to bend towards, to tilt towards sinful nature before I now come to you in a perfect way so that you can have something you are proud of in me. He said, come as you are, even as you currently are. I already, I already planned for your salvation. I already planned for it, and Christ already died for us. He already gave us life. So this life that Christ gave us is what quickens our mortal bodies, is what makes sure, it's what helps us to not be spiritually dead. So that is why we must remain in him, because if we stay in him, then we know that we have life, and we cannot be counted among those people who are spiritually um, dead. I want us to uh, move forward and read uh, verse 6. He said, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. This one is big. This one is massive. This one is, if we get it, ah, we are made for life and for all eternity. He says, he raised us from the dead. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. See how this place used past tense. He said, he raised us from the dead along with Christ. When Christ was being crucified, when he resurrected, when he was raised from the dead, you and I were not yet born, but God already did that work. He did it back then when he raised Christ from the dead. And this is where that title of identity came in. Because if we know 
that it is not even because I feel like I'm better than the other person or because I'm gentle or because I'm nice or because I'm, I'm usually helpful to people that God now say, ah, oh my, they're nice. Let me, let, me, let me put my mark upon him or her or let me, let me give her a throne. No, he did it. It's not dependent on anything that you did before you came into the house of old of faith. And it's not dependent on anything that you would do. He chose you. He predestined you to be the one that is raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. Again, emphasis is being laid on how you are a spirit being. You have a body in the physical but you are essentially a spirit being. And in the spirit right now, actually, you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And just imagine that Christ is not going to be sitting on a mat on the floor and they are shifting to make room for him. He's going to be sitting on He's going to be sitting on a throne that the Father prepared for him because he won, because he, he fulfilled the Father's desire. So, so Christ, Christ is seated in heavenly places, and you and I, we are seated with him because we have been saved. We have been called by him. So what does that signify? And I want us to... I want us to look at uh, the chapter 1, verse 20. It's actually saying the same thing as what we just read, but because of the emphasis, he said, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor, place of honor, place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So he now said, he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. So you are raised with Christ. And he says it is God's power. Look, if Apostle Paul had to make this a prayer, and throughout the book of Ephesians, I think in chapter 3 again, he prayed again that they will have understanding, they will have enlightenment, they will become intelligent, discerning enough to know what actually is their current status in the spirit. And why is that even important? Uh, lest I forget, if you have questions, please start sending them to the platforms right now. We have uh, people harvesting them right away. So why is this important? It is because everything in the physical is regulated by the spirit. Everything in the physical is regulated by the spirit. He said, <laughs> Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. We all read the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So your will is being done on, uh, on earth because it is being done in heaven. So let your kingdom come. Let us be the ones that bring your kingdom to the world. Let us be the ones that replicate what you have in mind in heaven, here on earth. And that is why we hear that, uh, that phrase uh, um, that we are, we are living uh, uh, just like heaven on earth. 
And I dare say it is not even just like heaven on earth. It is actually heaven on earth for everyone who actually gets this thing. It becomes heaven on earth because you don't even have to struggle with anybody. You don't have to fight with anybody. You see something that needs to be done. You go into your into your uh, <laughs> prayer place and you decree a thing and it is established. The Bible says that decree a thing and it is established. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So again, look at that interplay. You see something, you want it done because you know, even though my physical body is here, but my spirit is connected to God's spirit. And right now I'm actually in a position of authority, seated in heaven, making decrees about what happens on earth. Then I can decree a thing on earth and it is established in heaven. And so, and you know, we know these things, but most times we use these things in warfare. We use it in warfare. So, I mean, don't you know about village people? Everybody knows about village people. Even in both, you hear them say, say Africans, village people. So we all know that warfare part of it, where you know, ah, the spirit too, there's a aye, what your bad people call aye. But what about knowing my own position, my own uh, uh, stand? In the, in the hierarchy of things, where I stand. Because if I look at village people and I think that, ha, those people, or more, don't even try them, or don't let them get you, then it means that I don't recognize my authority. But that's not even where I'm going. Where I'm going is this. Beyond using your spiritual authority and positioning for warfare, you should learn, we should all learn how to use it for dominion, how to use it for dominion, how to use it to establish God's kingdom on earth, how to use it to rise to the top of the mountains that God has highlighted for us. Because if God, and he has said it, it's not even if, God has said that he is giving us the mountains and you should know now and say, this is the mountain that God has given me. Oh, he's giving me the mountain of politics. He's giving me the mountain of economics. Oh, he's giving me the mountain of business, education. Which one is he giving you? And then you should now start using your dominion, your seated, being seated in heavenly places with him to say, God, come tell me, Papa, what do you want to achieve in this particular industry? What's your plan? What will make you happy? in this fashion industry, then he will tell you, ah, my child, if people dress in a way that brings me honor, if people dress and they suddenly come to a realization of how special they are to me that I had to send Christ to die for them and to make them co-inheritors of eternal life, then my purpose would have been achieved in the fashion world. Then he say, Lord, let's do it. What does it take? What do I need to commit to? What sinful nature do I need to let go of so that I can go in depth with you? Because it's still the same 24 hours you and I have. So if you're using it to surf the web and to do all the, you know, all the social media and to fill our minds with different things, then what time are you going to have to sit with God and strategize on the taking over of these industries? So you see why this is very important. There is no way that Joseph would have been able to come from the status of a, 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 a servant and a prisoner 
to the second in command in Egypt if he didn't lean into who God has called him to be, into his spirituality. He's the leaning into his spirituality, identifying where he is seated with God that brought him that revelation, that vision, and he was able to interpret it. Many of us have dreams. You have ideas that God drops in your heart. And you know ideas like this, they come, they go, they come, they go. So sometimes people see that the things God asks them to do because they don't do it on time. They find somebody else doing it. And why don't they do it on time? It is because many times there are different things that are fighting for your attention. Different things. You're just like, ah, I, 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 I wrote something that I can't even remember. Some people don't even write down the ideas that God gives them. So um, if we are going to rise and to rule and to actually exercise the divine authority of being seated in the heavenly places with Christ, ruling over, I want you to look at this one. This one is very sweet. In, in the uh, message version, when he was talking about, um, when he was praying for them, he said, um, every time I prayed, I'll think of you and give thanks, but I do more than thanks. I ask God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do exactly what it is he is calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life that he has for his followers, all oh, the utter extravagance, extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless energy. Then he said, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, the universe, everything from galaxies to government, no name, no power, exempt from his rule. So when we hear the word, we're seated in heavenly places. Don't, don't. Yes, it is heavenly places. So it's the angels and, you know, the elders and it's the streets of gold and all of that. But he's saying that this power, this energy that God gave you is also for you to rule the galaxies and to rule the government. So it is high time we rise into this. And if we're going to rise into this, you're going to have to let go of flimsy things. You're going to have to let go of ephemeral things, things that waste time, things that dissipate energy. You know, well, we don't even gossip here, so it's not, it's not a question, it's not an issue. But well, God himself, the Holy Spirit, is going to be showing you things that you have to let go of so that you can rise into higher, higher things. And there's no stopping to these things. For some of us, it is to rise. Um, and that's why we have the six over six again. That's why we have the six over six. So it is for you to sit with God and say, what do I need to do next? And for some of us, it is even what do I need to redo? Because you could have done, let's say, new creation reality. And God is saying, actually, there's still something off. There's still something off. It is why you are always shaking when you hear about demons. Demons that he has already given you authority over and you are supposed to trample under your feet. So go back to NCR. So he's going to say that to some of us. For some of us, it is you need counseling. So go and get counsel. For some of us, it is journey. It is different things. And for some others, it is for you to go and listen again and again to the teachings on higher ground the last couple of weeks. If we get it, if we get it, we, there should be a point 
Okay. So, um, yeah. So, yes. It's, it is what it is. It is what it is, okay? Um, God will help us. We will get it in Jesus' name. Everything you are asking God for, he already gave to you, even before you were born. It's already yours. And sometimes we say to people, you don't know me, you don't know me, or I don't know you. What if you don't know you? You yourself, what if you don't know you? So can we take some time and discover who God has called us to be? Can we take some time and spend with God so that we can know what he has called us for? Um, we are using style to, <laughs> to wait. If you have questions, yay, Papi. <laughs> Welcome, Papi. <laughs> Hi, Pastor Pudi. How are you? Very well, sir. Hey, um, I can see that this, um, it's a lot you have for us today. We are struggling to deliver everything. <laughs> <laughs> just a few verses. <laughs> just a few verses. Amazing. Praise God. Okay, so okay. tell me. Well done, by the way. I mean, amazing work you have done. Thank you, sir. So, so tell me. Yes, sir. So I have, when I was uh, preparing, I have questions that I'm like, okay, I need to, <laughs> I need to ask Fabi this. You know, sometimes for some of us, we have an idea of where God wants us to be and what it has called us to be. And when things are good, we're actually seated in the heavenly places and, you know, decree and, but then things happen, life happens. And different things just happen and you're like, wait, is, it, is this thing really, really true? We start doubting the things that God said to us in secret because we are being, uh, fire is being uh, thrown at us in the open. So how do we navigate these issues? Well, I mean, that's, um, that's the reality of, of, our, of our faith and the reality of the world we are in um, to we, we are in a broken world and uh, our faith is um, gives us that utopia, that's that um, height that we transcend the pain, the problem, the confusion that is even around us immediately, right? So when we, we feel that we are seated together with Christ, maybe because of what is happening in our lives or purely by our feelings, how we feel, our feelings are in, and emotions. So we think that, oh yeah, I'm still together, I'm together with Christ in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers, we feel invincible, we feel you know, elated and all that. Now, there's something happens, you know, and we feel everything is crumbling down around us. Mm -hmm. Or it's just our emotions. Everything may be in place. In fact, some people are in the palace, but in their emotions, they're in a pit. 
So, so they're in a pit and they feel, oh, where is God? I'm a mess, you know? So I may not be seated together with Christ after all in the heavenly places, you know? We all have been through that struggle, yeah. every one of us. So that's the first thing I would say to those people. <laughs> yeah, every, every single one of us, it has been. That's number one. Number two, it is not what is happening around you or what is happening within you that determines your placement in God. Wow. It is not what is happening around you or what is happening within you that determines your placement in God. In fact, the converse is the, is the case. Your placement in God will influence what is happening around you and what is happening within you. However, you may be in a place where maybe within you feel like a pit. It does not affect your spiritual standing with God. And if you understand that and you stand in that place of spiritual authority, what will happen is that you will come out of that pit. But if you allow the pit to determine your reality, you can shipwreck your faith. Same thing with what is happening around us. So people say, oh, God has been good to me. Or God has been good to them because they have a new car. Or they just bought a new house. Oh, God is good. Oh, we just got a promotion. God is good. So what happens when you're waiting for that car or that promotion or for that child? Does that make God ungood until you get promoted? So what, what, what I'm saying is this. Whether the fig tree mm. is in bloom, whether the vats have oil, whether there's there are horses in the stalls or not, God is good. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what what I feel or what I am seeing, or what I am experiencing. God is good. Wow. So amazing. Thank you. So uh, this is deep. We should write this down, guys. We should write it down. Like daily reminders that God is good regardless. That'd be my second question. I think you've answered a part of it. And it was that if there was... Uh, like when Joseph was in the prison, but he knew that he was, maybe he didn't even know where he was going to, but he knew God had plans for him. So what are the things that we need to do to move us? So beyond the knowledge itself, what actions do we need to take to move us from current position to God's desired position for us? Hmm. That could be many things to many people. So, um, so what you're asking me is 
what is my what are the steps I need to take to get from point A where I am to point B where God wants me to be. I would say that that is going to be um, unique to each person. While there are general things of obedience, general things of principles, general things of alignment, you know, mm. you know, and, and a whole lot of things that are general to everybody. For you, Pastor Bukola, for instance, your immediate next step, only the Holy Ghost knows. Only the Holy Ghost, only, only the Holy Ghost knows. So that's why some people, they do all the principles and get nothing. Mm. It's not in the principles. <laughs> the principles are eternal, yes. However, the, your immediate next steps is determined by Holy Ghost. So, so and, and by light. Okay, interesting, you know. You know, so the teaching of Sunday, you know, Fisayo was teaching us that sound it gets light and light determines seasons determines time time is subject to light light is subject to sound in fact i, I was just about to say that i said in my own way i don't remember that you already thought of so which which is which is this so your immediate next step only the only ghost knows it and that is light only 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 the only ghost can bring light upon it and that light can that light comes when he speaks when there is sound, and that sound comes from him. So, the Holy Ghost is what brought it. You know, it, it shortens time. It brought seasons. So, so I, I am coming to a place. I am saying, in the name of Jesus, by this time in two weeks, this is what I am going to do. I say it, and it. Happens. Why would it happen? Because, like we were taught, um, God speaks so that we speak. how did he put it? He put it in a very nice way. Can you remember how he put it? Not the not word for word. Yeah. But I think he was saying that when God says it, right. and we are we agree at that point in time, we are aligned. Everything is working. Then it works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So the alignment now, but the alignment must lead to a speaking. The alignment must lead to a speaking. So uh, God speaks so that we can speak. It's, there's a way he put it. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The word of God is spoken to be heard and spoken to be spoken. <laughs> yes. Yes. Spoken to be spoken. God is spoken to be heard and spoken to be spoken. If you have a word of God that you think you have heard and you are afraid to speak it, you you may not. The question is something is wrong somewhere. There. There's something wrong with the transmission. There's something wrong with the transmission. Mm -hmm. Everywhere God has brought us to in God's family house by the grace of God, I declared it before time. I said, This is what is going to happen. And it's going to happen. In my life, same thing. You know, I'm saying, I am, this is what is going to happen. And I'm not just saying it. I have been to the mountaintop. I have been to the mountaintop. 
So because I have been to the mountaintop, I can come and say, according to the time of life, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. And you know, do we have time? Do we have to take some time on this? You know, like, like, Fisaya was saying that faith is a substance. You need a substance of the faith. And it is that substance that breaks the, 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 the word that you speak. It is the substance that breaks the word that you speak. So in this case, he said that when he was praying, someone gave him euros and God told him he will spend that euros in mm. Amsterdam. You know, so that physical money became a substance of his faith. So he could speak. So as he's speaking, he has substance. He has like a deed. Like a deed, like sea of O. Yeah. You know, in our own in our own uh, country, we call it sea of O, you know. And, I mean in the Western world, the deed of of of, 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 of the property, right? Yes, sir. Yes, Same thing. Now, years ago, I've, I've, I've shared this before, how I have desired to earn in US dollars and I took it to God on the mountaintop, not a physical mountain, in the place of prayer. And he spoke to me and said, what you are doing is, is counterintuitive. You are tithing in Naira and you want your inflow in dollars. So this was, this is 2001, 2000, yeah, 2000. That's 21, 21 years ago. 21 years ago. God said to me, you, 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 are, you are sowing and tithing in Naira and you are praying for a harvest in dollars, you know? So immediately, I had a so I had I, I heard the word. So the substance for me, I began to change my salary tithe to, and I began to tithe in dollars, and I began to give in dollars. So so when I declare that I'm I'm going to be earning in dollars, I already have the deed. It's called my tithe. It is, I have the deed. I have the I have the substance every single month. A substance. So, when, by God's grace, I started getting inflows in dollars, I started a business, you know, in South Africa country called me up, you know, um, I started a business in the UK, I mean, I started earning in dollars, I continue to tithe. Till today, I still tithe in dollars. And God is opening avenues and opening avenues. And so you, when we speak, we are speaking because the word of God is spoken to be heard and spoken to be spoken. So when we speak, we are speaking based on the light that we have. And that light determines our next step and moves us from point A to point B. There has been nothing that I have done, mostly as a Christian that has been huge and monumental, that I did not speak it first. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. 
Papi, you know, it's great that you are sharing this because when I was preparing, one of the things that the Holy Spirit and I were <laughs> struggling about was he was saying to me that I'm too used to coming to him and saying what I want rather than speaking it to that thing. Like, almost like saying, ah, God, here you see, oh, I would have loved this, or I want this. So when he says, ask for it, or the nations are yours, take it. And I can say, I take you nation of, you mountain of, so, so, so. So, so I was like, but how will I just say it? How will I just say it? He said, you're seated. You're seated in heavenly places with me. I said, how do I really know that? Then he says, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. That place in chapter one, as a signet, as a token. So when you were talking now about that token, that thing that he gives us, that gives us the confidence to now speak it, that came to mind. Amen. Thank you, Papi. Okay, well done, Pastor um, Paula. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. And thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us today at Tribe. And, um, and we pray that God will bring his word to life Amen. in your lives. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let me pray for us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. God make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. So shall it be. Amen. Jesus, mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. So, um, thank you again. Um, Gospel the House, let's remember that this is our year of lifting. And we are lifted. All the way. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.